Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles will show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-use styles. Since having kids, I have kind of lost my personal style and I'm using Armoire to help me find it again while trying out different brands and styles without having to add more physical stuff to my wardrobe. And I have a few events that are coming up that I know I am going to want some fancier items to wear than the items that I own. And I don't really want to go shopping for items that are going to sit in my closet without being worn after that one day. I hate the waste that that creates and I love that Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothing for any occasion and then send it back. I'm just really grateful that I have Armoire to help me dress for the occasion without having to add something to my closet permanently that I know I'm only gonna be wearing once. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armwire.style slash minimalish. That's armwire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armwire today. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less. Realistically, it's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. I am so excited to be bringing you the first guest episode of 2023. Today I'm sharing my conversation with Linda McGurk. She's a Swedish-American writer and author of There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather and The Open Air Life, which is her most recent book. She's a passionate advocate for the Nordic outdoor tradition, sleeve, which I know I'm saying it wrong, and I kind of laugh at myself several times in this conversation for saying it incorrectly. But she runs the blog Rain or Shine Mama, where she shares tips and inspiration for outdoor play every day, regardless of the weather. And not just play for your kids, but for you too. Today we talk about the benefits of getting outside more. Not just if you are in bad weather or in a you know wintry time of year right now, but all year long. 
this conversation is especially helpful for January, at least where I am, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or anywhere where you might be experiencing a winter climate at the moment, but it can be applied to any season of the year. This conversation is not an easy one for me because I personally am not outdoorsy at all. I prefer the indoors. I prefer staying cozy and warm inside. And in the hot heat of the summer, some days I even prefer staying inside as well. So I have really tried to change my mindset on that and change my actions as well. And this conversation has been a big part of that. So if you haven't noticed, this has kind of been a theme on the podcast over the last several months. We talked about huga, which part of that deals with embracing every season. So this conversation kind of takes it in a different direction and looks at what are the benefits of this? What are the benefits of embracing each season, not just in general, but outdoors? It gives us a why behind any kind of motivation you might try be trying to give yourself to get outside in colder weather or just bad weather in general. And it also... It gives us some activities that we can do, some ideas, because free loot sleeve is a certain type of spending time outside, or it's a certain way of spending time outside, I should say. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to get into all of it in this conversation. I really think this episode is beneficial if you struggle with seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression, if the weather affects your mental health in any way this episode is a great one. And if you just want to get outdoors more because it has several benefits, this episode is for you. We, of course, talk about how we can be getting outside more in any weather with our kids as well. I learned so much from Linda, so let's just dive into our conversation. Linda, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, Before we dive in to a conversation that is definitely interesting and new to me. Um, I would love to hear more about who you are and what you do. Hi, Desiree. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to come and talk about uh, my passion, which is uh, outdoor life, uh, as we call it in in Sweden. Um, I am a writer and uh, I grew up in Sweden but I've also lived in the States for 15 years uh, and just moved back to Sweden about four years ago. And I have two uh, daughters uh, who are 11 and 14 and two bonus daughters who are younger than that. And, um, and uh, I wrote my first book after my first um, kids were born and we lived in Indiana because I noticed there was a bit of a culture clash uh, coming from a very outdoorsy culture and then um, um, moving to Indiana and finding that it, everybody kind of hibernated in the winter and I was kind of viewed as the odd one for, for being outside playing with my kids in the winter. And uh, yeah, now, um, so that was my first book, There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather. And then I just published um, my second book, The Open Air Life, um, recently. So that's what I do. That's kind of the the short version of it. But we'll I'm sure we'll get into more of it as we uh, go along here. Yeah, for sure. And we were just talking before we hit record. And I was kind of mentioning that the culture I grew up in, <laughs> just here in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is probably similar weather to Indiana, um, I would imagine, is just that, you know, I have 
always stayed indoors in the winter. And I always end up with like, especially lately, like the past few years, I've really felt that kind of seasonal um, affective disorder kind of feeling. And I know that part of that is just, you know, being holed up inside. Of course, there's not as much sunlight and everything as well. But so I'm really excited to hear more about um, your book and your perspective uh, with I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> I was like trying. <laughs> I was trying. Could you tell me how you say it again? How do you say it? Yeah, it's a free lift sleeve. Okay. I definitely can't say it like that. <laughs> okay. So like free lift sleeve. <laughs> That's the Americanized uh, pronunciation. <laughs> I know. I've been challenging myself here on the podcast lately because I had a couple episodes about Huga and I'm like, I'm oh, not yeah. saying that correctly. And yeah. now I'm trying to say this. So I'm like, well, it's... this is rough. Okay. So free loop sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good. Okay. okay. Yeah. We'll just go with it. Um, so yeah, let's break down this concept a little bit. So you, your book, um, The Open Air Life and the subtitle says, discover the Nordic art of free loose sleeve, which I know that's not right, but we're just going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. um, embrace nature every day. Uh, it talks all about this, you know, Nordic concept. So I want to know more about this concept. Um, in your book, you like break down the, there's kind of these 10, maybe tenants of it, but just whatever, like a rundown of what is it? What does it mean? Um, yeah, just yeah, so <laughs> I I call it the outdoorsy cousin of Hygge in, in the book. Um, just like Hygge doesn't have a really good uh, translation uh, in English, that's why I call it the open air life, too, to give it some sort of English uh, uh, concept. Uh, and I think that kind of explains it pretty well. It's about being outside and... Um, experiencing nature and uh, the, both the natural landscape and the cultural landscape without any pressure to achieve or compete. Uh, it's It often revolves around sort of very simple activities outside, like going for a walk or, um, you know, using your nearby nature areas. So uh, it could be anything from, yeah, just, you know, go for a walk around the neighborhood to, backpacking in the wilderness and, and pretty much anything in between. But it's also not just like a set of different activities. It's it's about connecting with nature on a deeper level and sort of understanding that we're one with nature. And it's about like learning useful skills and, you know, getting to know uh, the plants and the animals um, in, um, in nature. And, uh, you know, it could be uh, things like uh, riding a bike or camping, foraging, uh, cold swimming, cooking over the fires, a common way of practicing uh, free of sleeve. Um, and typically these activities don't require a lot of money. Um, I call it, uh, also, I also call it slow nature. That free of sleeve is a, a sort of slow nature, just like we have slow parenting and slow food. Um, and that's where the whole, you know, non-competitiveness comes in. Um, and uh, it, it, it's usually, it usually involves some sort of physical activity. Uh, not always, but usually. 
and um, uh, also it's it's also about disconnecting from our electronic devices. Um, but you can practice uh, freelessly both in the city by using parks, for example, um, and other green spaces or urban trails, things like that. Um, but also in the countryside and and um, of course the wilderness. But the focus is really on trying to make it, uh, you know, like a habit. So that's why the emphasis is really on using your nearby nature, because that's something that you can do on a daily basis or a near daily basis. So that's kind of a, a quick rundown of it. It really simplifies it. It doesn't have to be, you talk in the book about, you know, if you look up the word and on Instagram, there's like over a million tags of people, maybe like on the um, this beautiful mountaintop or yeah. you know, uh, a <laughs> right. lone hiker, you know, in this beautiful landscape. And we might think like that is out of my league because one, right. you know, I typically I stay inside all winter. So how am I going to get to that point? But it can just be simple kind of like building a habit of just being outside. Um, yeah. And tuning into the cycles of nature and you know, that's going to look different, you know, depending on where you live. So uh, if you, it depends on your climate and your biome. So where I live, uh, we we have very little daylight in the wintertime. It starts getting dark by 3.30 or so in the winter. And um, it doesn't get light till like nine in the morning. So we only have, you know, about six hours of sunlight or daylight. Uh, we don't we don't always get sun. Um, and, uh, so you just kind of adapt to that. And, and, uh, for sure I am compared with summer, I'm outside less in the winter time, but that's also me adapting to the natural cycles of nature. And, uh, granted we, we still go outside in the dark and just put on high vis vests and headlamps, but, um, but you know, ideally, uh, it's it's better to be outside during during the day. It just helps us uh, uh, align with nature more and our own uh, circadian rhythms, which I talk about in the book as well. That it's important for our uh, sleep uh, to regulate our sleep. Uh, it helps to be outside during daylight hours. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I kind of want to dive into just the the reasoning for this and the why, maybe the benefits. There's probably, you know, two groups of people that are listening. One group that loves the outdoors already, that enjoys going camping and foraging and everything like that. It's like, yes, I love this. I can connect with this. And then there's another group who maybe feels like, you know, this is just, this is not me. This is like... I need a little bit more of what are the benefits of this? Like, why would I push myself to this change to where I'm getting outside more, especially as we're in the winter months? Like we can all, you know, feel that there's a benefit in the summer of being outside. A lot of people feel happier in the summer getting, um, not everyone, but <laughs> getting yeah. um, more, you know, sunlight and just being able to do more outside naturally. Right, um, right. So in the book, you you start the book in a very extremely relatable way. I think to many people talking about your work day and your work life being inundated by technology through the day, um, along with just like the mental load of life. And you talk a little bit about how 
like this modern lifestyle that many of us have affects our mental health. So how does free life sleeve? How can regularly being in nature and connecting with nature change our mental health? Yeah. So, uh, so first of all, about 80% of the people in the uh, industrialized world uh, lives in cities today. So that's a huge, huge percentage um, that lives in oftentimes in an environment that is just not good for our health, neither our mental health or our physical health. Um, our city, a lot of our cities, you know, they're full of traffic and there's crowds um you know it's just not a natural it's a far cry from the way we used to live our lives on the savannah we're plugged into various electronic devices all day many of us or maybe stuck working inside a factory with no natural lighting um and all this is sort of contributing uh, to uh and stress uh, yeah which is a huge factor as well uh, which all of this is contributing to, you know, you can, I mean, I even want to call it a, a mental health crisis. We have a lot of people who suffer from um, anxiety and depression today. It's, uh, you know, it's epidemic. And, um, and our living environments are not helping this at all. But free to sleep is actually a practical way of bringing more balance to your life. And um, part of it is just by, uh, you know, by spending time outside, we, we know that it benefits our bodies and, and uh, brains in, in multiple ways. I mean, there's the, the physical activity, which uh, it can help uh, reduce our risk of several types of cancer, um, can help our blood pressure go down. Um, it uh, affects our cortisol levels, so that contributes to a, a decreased stress levels. Uh, we tend to, I mean, we, we feel relaxed outside. The science is there. Um, that's what we, we, we know that for a fact. Um, and then there are different theories of why that is. Um, and that's where it's a little more hazy, right? There are different theories. Um, one of the uh, most uh, uh, ref- uh, referenced one is uh, by the biophilia theory, which holds that we're automatically drawn to natural areas because um, nature, traditionally, that's what provides us with the means to be alive. Like plants give us food and, and water while well, it keeps us hydrated. And so so our bodies know that we're dependent on on uh, nature for our survival. So that's so that's just one. And then there's uh, another one: is tension restoration theory, which holds that we're in our lives in general we're forced to uh, to ha- have a lot of directed attention when we work. For example, we're working on complex problems, and for example, navigating uh, busy traffic that is causing stress on our nervous systems because we have to focus so hard on what we're doing, whereas in nature we can allow ourselves to just kind of be and we're, we can just sort of uh, engage in this sort of soft fascination of, um, of nature. And um, so those are two of the main, main theories, but there, there are many others. Yeah. So for me, free live sleep is just a very 
easy self-care routine. Uh, I mean, it's more than that <laughs> to me. It, it means a lot more than that. But that's, I would say, is my most important self-care routine. It's how I keep my balance, my life in balance. Um, when I feel the pressure from work or just the st stress of life in general, I go for a walk. And that also really uh, opens up a lot of, you know, creative flows. So a lot, a lot of times, like solutions to problems come to me when I'm out for a walk. You know, I think if more people engaged in this, I think we'd see a lot less of these uh, mental, uh, you know, mental health issues that we're having today. Um, and actually, I mean, there's research to, to back that up as well, that being out in nature can, can actually reduce anxiety and depression to the point where it's even more effective than pharmaceuticals. And I think that that really says a lot. Yeah, that's so good. And it's definitely enough to make me think like, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was talking to you about this before we hit record too, is over the past several years, I have sort of each year kind of branched out a little bit more of I'm going to get outside more in the winter. And, you know, the first thing I did was I bought a pair of boots that I could feel like, you know, I'm not going to slip and slide trying to walk out my driveway. Yeah. you're <laughs> icy. And um, just like building up little by little. And that's the first thing that I did was just start to take walks and start yeah. with short walks. Um, and, you know, this right. year, last year I was very pregnant in the winter and I was like not <laughs> out much because of that. Yeah. But um, this year I'm in that same mindset of like, okay, how can I get out more? I think what that's a great way of doing it. Start with baby steps, you know, start yeah. with the things that are doable to you today. Um, and a lot of times, yeah, just getting a, a little bit of extra gear can help get you there because you really, I think a lot of people, fret about winter because they they're just not dressed properly um you're not supposed to be cold just because it's cold outside um so having proper gear is everything we might think to to equip our kids for winter but might forget you know i know a lot of parents who forget about themselves so i if it's cold out i i'll wear snow pants outside i don't <laughs> Like, I'd much rather have snow pants on than be cold. So, uh, so I think dressing for the weather is like super important. So that's like one of the main main things to start with. Make sure that you have uh, a wardrobe uh, that allows you to to uh, get outside in all types of weather. Yeah, that's great. And you know, I think that that's a was a big step for me. It's just, okay, I need to actually be able to dress for this because my mindset yeah. in the past has been keep myself outside as little as possible. So, I mean, I, of course, I don't enjoy bundling up all of <laughs> putting yeah. all of these different things on and mm -hmm. just like having to run to my car. So in the past, I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to put something on that will get me to my car and then get me to the destination. And I'll get out of the cold as fast as possible. Yeah. How, what are some like mindset shifts that can help us kind of get to that point if we are used to avoiding the cold weather? Yeah, I think just getting into that rhythm. Um, at first, you might have to fake it 
to make it, you know, <laughs> make set a goal for yourself, even if it's just 15 minutes per day and uh, try to really to do, just do it. And I think I think once you start doing it, you will start craving it. Um, you'll notice the your you'll notice your mind clearing and your focus improving and just that yeah just the energy from being outside in the fresh air um i have days when i struggle too but i always just knowing that i'm going to feel better afterwards that that's always my main motivation i know i'm going to feel better so i make myself go outside either way and there are days when when the weather's really difficult and um you know, I really have to force myself to get outside. And then those instances, getting back inside can actually be a treat too, because that makes you appreciate the indoors more, I think. Uh, so to me, just experiencing those contrasts of having really harsh weather and then coming inside in the warm house and maybe lighting a fire in the fireplace. And that's like, a, has become a sort of a welcome routine and, and to me in the winter time uh, because I don't I don't appreciate the fire as much if I haven't been outside before so I think sort of tuning into those contrasts can really help um, and then just try to decide that you're going to have a positive positive attitude about it like we I grew up with the saying there's no such thing as bad weather only bad clothes so I've kind of been indoctrinated with this since childhood. So I, I could see how that would wouldn't maybe wouldn't come naturally to you if you didn't grow up like that. But I think you can I think you can create it uh, for yourself in adulthood too. And it really is a uh, it really is life changing. I think. And also another I suppose another trick could be um, to. Uh, to really try to do things that you enjoy, like on a, on a nice weather day, um, and uh, bring a treat too, if that, especially if you have kids, like if, and if it's hard to motivate kids to come outside too, like hot chocolate is my go-to in wintertime. Um, or if you have a favorite place that you like, where you like to hang out, um, don't, you know, Try to try to uh, cherish uh, seeing that place changing uh, over the course of the seasons. Um, there's something to that as well. Yeah, those are all such good tips. Speaking of kids and just in general, I would love to hear just some ideas of, you know, some things that we might do to experience free loops live. And what are some ways that we can involve our kids in that as well? So I think like one of my favorite ways of experiencing Friluftsliv is really cooking outside together with others. Um, and I, I think um, I say together with others because I know one of the keys to getting kids outside is having other kids outside. <laughs> they really thrive on that group dynamic and um, and and having other families outside also sort of normalizes outdoor play um and uh in all types of weather and uh it, it's just more fun i think for for everybody involved and granted you can't 
pull together a big group every time, but, you know, look, you know, see if you can use at least some time on the weekend to do, to go on an outing um, somewhere where you can have an outdoor meal and um, you can involve the kids depending on their ages, of course, uh, you know, try to involve them in the planning, uh, see what they would want to cook. Maybe they can help select recipes. Um, and for the littler kids, like we all know, they love grilling marshmallows and other things over the fire. Um, try to, uh, like, you can also challenge yourself by trying to learn new things together. Also, um, so like some bush skills, like whittling or, um, like how to build different types of fire, um, or just, um, yeah, just, I, my, my main advice is really to keep it simple. Like try to do whatever you can do close by. Um, because the most important part is that you get out the door. So if if it is going to the kid's favorite park, even if it's, you know, four inches of snow outside, then do that and see what, um, how, uh, you know, what it's like to play on the equipment when, when there's snow on it, because the kids are going to know, or they're going to notice that it's, um, it's a lot different, you know, in, in different types of seasons and do bring treats, like I said, um, earlier. Um, and also, uh, the clothing, uh, is key to, uh, to make sure that they're all comfortable and that they have their basic needs met. Um, that's important to keep, to keep them happy. Um, and, uh, if they're not, I, I know kids aren't always gung ho about going outside. And, and if that's the case, then I try to give them like a couple of different choices that, you know, that I can live with and they don't have to be, um, they don't have to be elaborate activities. It could just be like, let's go outside and see if we can find X, you know, whatever, whatever you might find on a walk, like near your house. And, um, and what, the, the younger the kids are, the, the more the focus should be on just free play rather than setting a specific goal or having like a certain destination or um, cause that, that can, that can lead to power struggles and, uh, you know, you just have to take it at their, at their pace. Um, and that their pace is usually slow <laughs> if they're toddlers. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're typically, uh, more interested in, in things, uh, that are going on, uh, on the side of the trail than, uh, than in walking. So, uh, yeah, so those are just a few ideas. Like I said, um, don't focus mainly on the activity. Just try and do what what's accessible to you uh, in your neighborhood. Uh, bring a treat to make sure the kids are dressed properly. And um, maybe the most important part is your attitude. Uh, be positive about it um, and make it a part of your family rhythm so that the kids come to expect it. That will make it easier to get outside um, on a regular basis. The fact that the kids, the kids know that that's, that's part of your routine and uh, uh, whatever you end up doing, you know, that's kind of secondary. Um, the, the kids are usually pretty good about coming up with things to do once they get used to, um, to being outside on a regular basis. Yeah, that's... 
you know, when you said about like the younger the kids are, the less structured um, you need to be. And that rings true for me. I know as when my daughter was little, I could, and she is, she's only five, but um, yeah. when, when she was even younger, it was easy to just open the door and be outside. And she's only five, but for whatever reason, it's a little harder. It's harder yeah. to convince her of it of anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's harder uh, to to do that. And and I can already, and probably my own, partly my own doing, but I can already see her attitude change with the weather of just like, oh, I don't like when it's cold. Um, So I even just like, this is kind of a different thing, but I have been trying to convince her to go for walks with me without me pushing her in anything because I do mm-hmm. have a baby as well. And at yeah. first we got um like a double stroller that she could just like sit on the little bench. But I was uh-huh. like, okay, come on, we gotta start walking, you know. Yeah. I can't push like 50 pounds here. Um right. So just like looking for something, like trying to find something, a scavenger hunt of a very simplified yeah. one really has helped. So that suggestion yeah. that you gave makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And <laughs> And this might come across as odd, but my kids actually like picking up trash. So that's something that we often do when we're outside. And they've done that since they were little. Or, I mean, uh, I I suppose I got them started on that. But a lot of times we'll bring a a bag and and we'll pick up some trash on the way. And uh, I, you know, I feel like that way we're doing sort of we're making a contribution to our community while also getting fresh air and uh, and uh, physical activity. So it's a win-win, I think. We've already been talking about this a little bit, but mm-hmm. I would love to hear kind of some <laughs> last encouragements for the person who might not, you know, find themselves particularly outdoorsy, maybe spends their time mostly inside. Um, What are some like simple steps to just dip our toes into this lifestyle? Yeah, I think as I mentioned before, I think trying to set a goal for yourself, maybe even joining a challenge like the 1000 hours outside challenge. um, Even if you, if that number is, if you think that's too, too big of a number, then set your own number um, and start where you are. So if you have a backyard, that's a great place to start, um, with some, uh, you can even do some winter cookouts or your local, um, green spaces. And, um, I, but I, I really think the most important, an important, uh, change is, is in our heads. You know, it's, it's the attitude. I think that's the, the most important change that you can make. And just knowing like, yeah, t- take some time to read some books uh, on the topic and really uh, look at the research because it's so convincing that, um, I mean, if you don't feel like going outside after reading my book, I don't know what <laughs> what will, but I, I think that's a, a good motivator as well, like just seeing um, what it's done for other people. And I write about people who... Uh, who have been who have been burnt out from work and come back to uh, you know come back to work from uh, just after being in different field of sleeve uh, therapy programs and uh, my neighbor who uh, who also burned out who started doing cold baths another man in, in Stockholm who uh, who did a camp out for 
you know, once a week just because he uh, wanted to get outside more and, and practice his Friedrichsfeld skills. So he decided to camp out once a week for a whole year. So there are a lot of there are a lot of inspirational stories. Um, if you feel like you need that boost, but really the best way of of uh, I think getting convinced is just getting out there and experiencing it for yourself. I mean, you mentioned seasonal affective disorder before, and uh, I think that's I mean we know that's something that affects a lot of people, and uh, being outside is a, a very effective way of preventing that or reducing symptoms of seasonal affective disorders. So definitely, you know, yeah, like I said, there are even studies showing that it's more effective than pharmaceuticals. And the best part, obviously, you know, no side effects. So anybody can do this, even in the cities, you know, you don't have to live in a wilderness area. Uh, Obviously, uh, uh, the more remote uh, an area is, the more removed it is from the stressful city life, the more um, restorative it's going to be. But you can definitely find these pockets of green space in the cities as well. And just, yeah, just being near trees, for example, can have immense health benefits. Um, so uh, just my my advice is just, yeah, make up your mind and, and do it. And uh, I think once you start doing it, you'll 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 start craving it. And I can definitely vouch for your book that if someone needs to convince themselves <laughs> into it, um, they can have you convince them into it with uh, open air life. Because even just like the first chapter, I remember reading the first the intro and in the first chapter, and I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is this is huge. Because you do you yeah. include so much research and so many stories of how this is so beneficial. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge lifestyle shift uh, to start with. You don't have to, if you have like never camped in your life, you don't have to go and, you know, pitch a tent in the wilderness, but you can just be outside. Yeah. To me, it's really come gradually. Even though I grew up with this culture, I didn't grow up in a hardcore adventuring family by any means. And I wasn't, um, and I still don't consider myself hardcore um, by any means, but I'm learning new things and I'm learning to appreciate new things. Like I've tried winter camping in the past year and uh, that was really fun. I, I tried, um, camping out by myself once, which was also something that I had wanted to challenge myself with, um, but never tried before. And just in the past like four years, I started um, uh, foraging for mushrooms. So that's another thing that I've just uh, uh, gotten into in the past few years. And I'm I'm 44. and, And so it's never too late to learn. And that's another aspect of Free to Sleeve that I really love is that you you can learn at your own pace and you don't have to be an expert. You really all you really need is to to have a, a genuine interest in nature and uh, yeah and wanting to be a part of it. Um, and I think the the rest will come naturally. Yes, so good. Well I've loved this conversation and 
you know, I am just going to refer everyone listening to your book if they want to learn more about it, because I feel like we could talk about so many more aspects of it <laughs> if we had time. Um, but I do have two questions that I like to ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now? Um, I have spent some time in the past uh, year and a half, almost two years now, really simplifying the way I dress. So I did another challenge uh, a couple of years ago to not buy any new clothes for an entire year. And uh, I was just amazed at what that did to my whole attitude towards clothes. And uh, I, uh, I realized that I could simplify my wardrobe by a lot just by focusing on more sort of multifunctional clothes and uh, really drastically reduce the the amount of new clothes that I buy. Um, so I think by dressing smarter, I've been able to really cut down on, um, yeah, like I said, the, the amount of clothes that I buy. And, and I think, and I, I think of that from an environmental standpoint, I think, I think that's important. We have like our wardrobes are far bigger today than they were just like in the 1980s. Um, so I think from an environmental standpoint, I think uh, I think we, there's definitely some simplifying to be done in, in, this, in the average uh, wardrobe. I think most of us probably have far more clothes than we need. Yeah, absolutely. I and it also cuts down on like so many decisions that you have to make. Yes, I know. Right. And a lot of- and a lot of work, like laundry yeah. and, you know, folding, putting away. Yes. So yeah. I love that. Um, my second question is, what is something that you're loving right now? It can be anything. Yeah. So since we're in in the winter now, or just about to hit winter here, uh, I got two things. Uh, cold swimming is another thing that I've gotten into just in the past four or five years, which I'm loving because it's... Uh, gives me a, such a uh, such a natural high and so much energy. So it's my favorite way of ending my work week uh, on a Friday Friday night. I like to go for a cold cold plunge. Um, and the other thing is wool clothing. Speaking of clothing, the the few garments that I do buy these days are. Um, uh, often wool, uh, because they are just so, so useful, both for outdoor or for free live sleeve and being outdoors. Um, but also to, to just being warm inside, um, in the winter time. So, um, I also love that they don't need washed very often. So it's a good, good for the environment for, from that perspective as well. They, uh, you can just usually air them out and just do like a little spot cleaning. So, um, yeah, definitely recommended. Just, I'm just, just have to make sure that the wool has been like ethically sourced. That's yeah. the only thing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have to ask a little bit more about the swimming because yes. I had a, a guest on a few weeks ago and we were, it, whenever this goes out, it will be months, but, um, she, <sighs> was talking about uh, winter bathing. She's from Denmark. Uh-huh. So, um, okay, what do you, do you do this outside? 
Yes. I know she does. Okay. So, and she does it naked. Is that mm-hmm. how you do it as well? Okay. <laughs> well, you yeah, I, I prefer to. And if you okay. go to a communal uh, sauna, um, like a, some of, like a lot of the cities here have communal saunas with um, cold swimming, then typically it's uh, clothing optional. But I live in a neighborhood and I share the beach with, with my neighbors. So uh, I typically wear my swimsuit. I'm sure people, some people do uh, skin, some skinny dipping down there too. But we do get some dog walkers. And to avoid any embarrassment, I, I, usually, <laughs> <laughs> I usually keep my swimsuit on. But yes, uh, of course, the um, optimal way of swimming in the Nordic tradition, at least, is naked. Because then yeah. you don't have any barriers between you and the water. It's just, you're just completely immersed. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and you can really feel feel the water on your on your skin. So yeah. yeah. And how long? Mm-hmm. Like, how long are you in there? Typically? Is it short? Is it? It just it just depends. But I try to go for at least like 10 deep breaths. And some days that's harder than others. It just depends on the temperature of the water. In the winter, when it's when the water is freezing, ten breaths is a long time. <laughs> yeah. But if the water is around, say, uh, fifty degrees, then I can be in for several minutes, like five, six, seven minutes. Um, I never time myself um, because I I think it's not. The main point is not to force yourself to be in there certain times. I try to do my some breath work and just uh, go by the amount of breaths instead. Yeah. But yeah. I just had to ask more about that because that, you know, she mentioned it and then you did and I'm like, okay, I just need to know (laughs) more about this. It actually, it's it's an old tradition here, but it really had a... Uh, it surged in popularity during the pandemic, actually, because it's also known to sort of improve your immune system. It sort of jolts your immune system into action. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's just a, a natural high. And of course, during the pandemic, uh, outdoor activities, you know, became more and more popular because a lot of the indoor st- venues were just closed down so yeah yeah okay well thank you for explaining it more um and also (laughs) just thank you so much for your time uh thank you for all that you're uh just contributing to the world with writing your book I think you know anyone who reads it is going to have just so many benefits if they take action on it thank you so much for having me last week on the podcast we talked about small changes and how we don't need to overhaul our entire lives to have like an effective New Year's resolution. And instead of resolutions, we could just choose one small thing that is going to benefit us, is going to make us better for the people around us, for ourselves. And I think today's conversation could definitely be something that we could take and craft into one small change that we could make this year. Starting in the winter is probably like the most resistance we are going to have to this, right? If we decided to make one small change and spending 
I don't know, five to 20 minutes outside a day just being. And I say five minutes because I don't know, some days it's negative. Like, (laughs) I don't know if I could have spent more than five minutes outside on Christmas around here because it was zero or below that. And I'm sure people do, but I just, I don't know. I don't know that I could. Something realistic, something that is realistic for you. And maybe it's setting that time for five minutes now, five minutes plus, right? On the warmer winter days can get out longer, but then gradually increasing it throughout the year to kind of get yourself used to it. I don't know. I just think it would be a great small change to make, especially if it's something that you know you need and you know could benefit you and could benefit your mental health. For me, when Linda was talking about taking walks, that is something that I absolutely love to do. I love to take a walk by myself or with my dog and just be able to think or pray or not listening to anything, but just having these, usually it's a short walk, if I'm by myself, it's it's not typically long, but it's really impactful to just have that time to decompress and be quiet and only listen to the sounds around me from the outdoors and, I mean, my neighborhood because I'm typically walking in my neighborhood. So that is one small change that I think is doable for myself, for probably for most of us, is to spend five minutes outside Taking a, couple, taking a couple of deep breaths or taking a five-minute-plus walk, depending on the weather, right? Depending on what your circumstances are. If you have kids around and you are in sole care of them, you might not be able to take a five-minute walk in, like, freezing weather. But, again, like Linda said, you know, there are ways around being outside in the cold with kids dress them for it, dress yourself for it. But if we're just dipping our toes in, why not just step outside, take a few deep breaths in the fresh air? I'm sure even that would make a difference. So I'm rambling at this point and thinking through it and processing it for myself. But I know that we talked about Linda's book a lot today. And I want to tell you there's a reason for that. If this is a topic that interests you, if you are listening to this today and you're thinking, this could really benefit me, this is something that I really need, even if it is kind of against my nature right now and I typically don't get outside much, this could really be beneficial for me. Her book is very convincing and very um, research-backed, full of stories, personal stories, stories of others. So I highly recommend it. I'll link it in the show notes. And that's all I have for today's episode. Remember that you can find me on Substack if you would like the Minimalish Making Room newsletter, which is kind of like a mini blog that I send out twice a month. It's been really fun. I absolutely love it. So many of you joined me there, and I am so happy about that. And I'm also putting out a bonus podcast on Substack which is called The Minimalish Family. I won't go too much into detail about that on this episode. I did talk about it on the last episode. So you can listen to the beginning of last week's episode if you want to hear more about that. Or you can just go to Substack and you will learn more about it. So you can go to minimalish.substack.com and I hope to see you there. As always, if you love this episode, I'm so grateful if you would just share the show with a friend who would love it or 
on social media somewhere. I am grateful anytime you share the show. I'm just grateful that you're here and that you're listening. Thank you for hanging out with me here. And I will talk to you right back here again on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.